most deaf for a second. Which song? Um, it got this that it got mixed with that Eve in there too. Oh, that yeah. song with Gwen Stefani. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, now this is Rod Simba. This is one of the homies. Oh, they so made it for the show, bro. That voice you hear, Martellus Bennett, Marty B. I would say uh, during your time in the NFL, a top three interview. And I would say a top three human as well. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, top three, I was just... I don't know who I'm the other number two one. are. I don't know who the other two are, like Drake yeah. says. <laughs> I'm top two, but I'm not two. Yeah. Uh, we have a very special time with Marty because he is not just a Super Bowl winner. He is now a best-selling author. <laughs> and so is your brother. Yeah, he is. And I'm curious if your parents, they have two Super Bowl champions, but also two best-selling authors. Which one do you think... They talk about more when they see other people. Uh, it probably depends on the vibe of the room. Mm. Like, I think they use it. They got tools. Like, oh, your kid did this. Oh, well, my kid did that. Yeah, like wanting so, up each other. Yeah, so I don't really know. I think they they think they're pretty proud of both. I think this is amazing. The book is called Dear Black Boy. Yes. Uh, and having read a ton about it and getting my hands on it now. Uh, you, you've always been someone that preaches representation mm-hmm. and also that football isn't everything. And I'm going to give a warning a little bit to the homies right now. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of not football today uh, because I think when, you, when you're with somebody that's super with it and super intelligent and aware and has experienced a lot, sometimes I like to talk about things that are not football. I think it's the best thing to talk about. <laughs> and, well, what really set it off is I'm reading an interview that you did and you had a quote where you said that football was it, it's like tiring to you that ever since you've gotten out of football that you feel like you've gotten kind of your life back yeah and, and what's so interesting is i talked to so many athletes that they don't know what to do with their lives but yours has been this release it it must feel great yeah it's been great i mean the game of football has always been interesting because it's a weight on your shoulders there's like this constant stress of like performing each week performing each game performing each practice performing in the meetings you always uh, you're always interviewing for the job and your job is never secure and after doing that for an entire entire lifespan for most of my life it just kind of like it's still just as heavy it was in the beginning as it was in the end yeah and to move on from it is just like whoo like I could just actually be everything I want to be and do what I want to do without the pressures of not only the team but the the coaches, the teammates, and things like that, and just put the pressure on myself to be the human being I want to be. I'm reading this, one of the blogs you did on your imagination agency website, and you're talking about being in Japan, and mm-hmm. you're talking about these landscape shrines and quiet solitude. <laughs> and I began to recognize when peace was present. I began to notice that peace appeared when I had creative thoughts and ideas. Anytime I would think about football, I felt chaos in my spirit. And yes. you wrote this blog during, was it your last year of playing? This was, uh, this was right before I retired. I went to Japan, and then I came back and retired once I got back from Japan. You, you f- something was in your mind about needing to go to Japan. Your amazing wife bought you a, a ticket for one for 10 days. Yes. Tom Brady hooked you up with some guide. Named which Leonard. Is, <laughs> the fact that Tom Brady is like, oh, no, I got a guy in Japan named Leonard. He's amazing. He's yeah, going to show you I was like, you need to talk to Brad. Brad, talk to Leonard. Then they set it up. And as soon as I got there, I went to I went to dinner, and he kind of like laid out a lot of Japan. And I told him why I came. Yeah. And, you know, I was like on a spiritual pilgrimage, and he was like, oh, this is a perfect place. After we had a conversation, and he told me about the seven and the tea ceremonies and how to drink tea with my elbows and everything. So right. my first introduction was 
in English, <laughs> which was great because after that, it wasn't much English. There was the rest nobody of the speaking yeah, English. Yeah, so. Um, but I, I think what's so interesting is whether you're making things, whether you're living your life, trying to find present, I think, is one of the hardest things to always stay in. And acknowledging that you're going to go out of present, you're going to go to future, you're going to go to past, but come back to present. Mm -hmm. But for you to have that moment, has that moment been able to stick with you and like readjust you ever since that trip? Yeah, I mean, I've been able to remove the ego even more since I left Japan. I think uh, Japan is really a place where ego is not present. And and to be in a Shinto shrine or to be in that so, so much beauty, you have to be present. Otherwise, you'll miss out on how beautiful it is. So it's just so quiet because there's hundreds and hundreds of people walking around, but there's no noises. There's no one talking. There's mm. nothing like you even whisper when you have to say something just out of just... Just because it's just so quiet. It's, it's so almost quiet, like being in a library. Whispers are loud. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I didn't want to say nothing to either Hiro or Miho, who was my, my two guys over there. So when I'm in that shrine and I'm there in those moments, I'm really just taking in those moments and I'm able to find present. I'm able to be present and find peace. And the whole thing was like, when I'm talking to him, I talk about like, like I left, they called me the happy samurai. And I didn't realize like the warriors over there were the most beautiful people. Right, the samurais are the reason why they have the Shinto shrines and the gardens, and they want to so they want to be surrounded by beauty. And as warriors, mm -hmm. like I feel myself as in my past life, I was a warrior. I too want to be surrounded by beauty, and like how they created beauty, I like to create beauty in the things that I make too. So yeah. there was a connection with the samurai as well with that type of that type of vibe, and the entire experience was just like a. It was just me and my mind and my notebook because I didn't have no friends. The time difference was so big wow. that I FaceTimed my wife or whatever, like 5 in the morning. Although Bill Belichick did call me one time at like 4 a.m. while I was there. But... Hey, you coming back? <laughs> what do you think, Marty? Yeah, so. In uh, a weird way, when I think about being present and then I think about Bill being like, we're on the Cincinnati, like that man is always in the present. I don't know if he's like necessarily enjoying it like we're all enjoying it maybe he yeah. is maybe like we're the i don't know well i think that it's hard to be impressive because most people are ego driven we don't really recognize and a lot of people don't recognize when the ego is present because we are controlled by the ego so the only way the ego can survive is by living in the past or the future it cannot be in the present because it can only live on things it has done or things that it thinks it's going to do next mm -hmm. but in the present the ego has not done anything so therefore you have to be egoless to be present so most people mm -hmm. live in the past and the future, and most people don't want to deal with the now, right? And there's moments where you can feel, once you start to recognize being present, you can recognize when you're in and when you're out. So you could kind of center yourself. With your breath. Be, yes, and find your Noticing presence. things, yeah. all that. Um, I think you mentioned so many things there. One about, you know, what your purpose is and doing something like the samurai and leaving something in beautiful people. I think that's what you're trying to do with Dear Black Boy. And I think the other thing you said just now about ego goes into this. Tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like you're tired of young black boys being told, you want to be successful, be an athlete. Yes, I'm pissed off. That, it pisses that, me off. It, I could tell. It's something yeah. that you're like, I want to ta help take the power back. Yes, that's the whole thing. I want to give the power back to the youth and let them know, like, you know, for some of us, it takes way too long to discover that. If I discover it now, I want to introduce them to the path that where they could discover it for themselves. So, like, where we come from, everyone feels like the pinnacle is to be the top athlete in the world. When everyone pinnacle could be different. Like, just because you like comic books, you could be the best comic book writer in the world. You could be the best author. You could be the best illustrator. Like, Shoot, dude, you wrote in your blog about Hero Dreams of Sushi. I mean, I recommend that documentary to everybody. 
I'm watching this dude in a subway making the most expensive sushi in the world, and he does it every fucking day. And every day he gets a little bit better. And that dude ain't balling. That dude lives with his wife and his kids in, the, in a little apartment. But he's the most world-renowned sushi chef ever. I think he's balling. He just doesn't live. I think he just lived below his means. <laughs> that's my. That's my. That's my ego. Of me saying he should be balling. Yeah, more. like yeah. he probably got tons of money just sitting yeah. somewhere. But what does he need it for? Yeah, because his like, his life purpose is his that's life his pursuit of his, yeah. Yeah, his, pursu- his dream. Yes, his dream. And I think that everyone else should pursue their dreams the same way. We start kids so young at like running and running fast sprint. You know, jump higher, dribble, you know, shooting form to prepare them to win at this game, whether it's on the court or the field. But we don't start with that same preparation for them to win at life. Imagine mm-hmm. if we put so much into a kid where if you gave him a camera, if you gave a kid a camera and put that same emphasis behind, hey, this is a film, this is a structure, this is how we shoot. And we all sat around and watched what he shot that day and celebrated that like we would a, a sporting event. He would, yeah. More kids would be into it. Yeah. But the kid wants to be celebrated, and rightfully so, because who doesn't want to be celebrated as a kid? You want to feel loved. Of course. And you want to feel like the things you love are valued to the people that you love and you value in your life. So it's like, how do we take that emphasis off of just like, this kid is a photographer and he really likes photography. The, the whole community should be behind this photography. Like they are about the player who's got the main crossover. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I think all, one thing you said in an interview, I think you did with Lisa Mullins. You said, when you sign your kids up for peewee football, you're signing over their identity if you're not playing close attention. Can I ask a personal question? Yeah. Who when you were growing up defined your identity and you looked back and you were like, damn, I didn't even know that person would have the power. Like it was turned over to them. I never gave it up to anyone. Really? I, not like that. This didn't happen to you. Peewee football. Where, mm-hmm. Cause I, the, what I kind of read with that was a coach can define a child. It can. Like I think, and not only the coach, but the cheering of like the idea of the conditioning from a young age, become an athlete. You be, that's what you become. Like you try to, they try to make you. So you think the same as everyone else. And if you different, it's like, Oh, you're individual. Like we don't have space for individual. Oh, yeah. Do what the team do, do the team player, team player. But the idea of what a team player is, is to slice through your individual, uh, your individualism, which yeah. is a major crime. Like by robbing people of, a, of their individualism, we're robbing the world of awesomeness, right? Mm-hmm. If we get all these people to start thinking the same. So for me, I like there was a time where I was playing on this hoop it up three on three tournament and I ain't like the coach so I quit in the middle of the tournament because he was trying to make me be something I wasn't like I didn't say anything Calvin Murphy was my coach in um, basketball when I was a kid too I quit his team in the middle of the game it's like nah man like that's not who I am you know what I'm saying yeah. I always some people say I was a dick or asshole as a kid like oh they little asshole been yeah. or whatever but it was just because I always felt like they were trying to like position me put me in like not only make me make me a better basketball player Right, I don't need you to change the human being that I am. What are we gonna win? Like ten-year-old travel? Like, yeah, this is about me learning at all ages. Like, yeah, even the NFL. Like coaches, like they feel like every black kid need a, a father figure. I don't need a father figure. My dad is in my life. I don't coach me. Yeah. I don't need a dad. I need a coach. Like, make me a better football player. That's what your job is. I don't need you to to try to shape me and mold me into a human being. Like, no. Football player, I separate the two. Like, your job is to help me become a great player. I'm working on myself as a person. Mm. You and your brother, I feel like you both have that belief in you. Is that, does that come from your dad? I, I don't know who it, I mean I don't know if it comes from my dad or my mom I think it's just something that we kind of developed through circumstances of the parenting that we had and my parents really my dad speaks his mind my mom speaks her mind so I think they just they just kind of if I came from a point of view when I was just kind of like yeah dad I ain't fucking with Calvin Murphy you know what I'm saying <laughs> he was like alright like, that's what we're doing now yeah, yeah. yeah you know so um, not to the way where they was like 
you know, enabling, but at the same time, it was like they knew that I would go hard in wherever I chose to do. Like when I was in band or when I was in wherever it was I was doing at the time, I was yeah. just kind of like trying to be the best. I think what's cool about this too is you're not just saying you could do anything with Dear Black Boy. I think you're also saying the pressure's not on you to be a professional athlete. You don't have to be that. Yes. Because sometimes we get told what we should be. Mm-hmm. Especially someone like you. I'm sure you were a big kid. Yeah. And I'm sure people told you all the time, you know, you should go play pro. Yeah. And I, it becomes a burden. Yeah. What happens is we start to dream dreams for kids. Right, and we never let the kids develop their own dreams and show us their dreams to us. So they grow up thinking that their dreams are something else because we planted that dream on them mm. instead of letting them reveal their dreams to us and we help them fulfill those dreams. Right. So from a young age, if you're a big kid, you fast. First question, even now, if I get an Uber, oh, like, man. what sport do you play? You know, what I'm saying they don't ask you what are you interested in or what do you do, what do you like. They ask you what sport do you play, and I think that's for me that's offensive because it's like is that all you see when you see me, mm. right? And that's the problem when they see these black kids all they see are athletes they don't see dreamers they don't see writers they don't see movie directors they don't see architects and that's what the problem is and so when the world see when you see yourself in the world that's what you start to believe in as exactly. a kid too so now we have to change the reflection by changing what we could be so that we could see ourselves in all these different fields of life and that's when representation is important representation i i think a lot of times people that are very well represented it, they have to listen to hear someone when they're not often represented and call it out because you won't realize it. Yes. For me, um, I'm at Black Panther with my fiance and we're mm -hmm. watching the movie. And afterwards, I'm ready to break it down like I do every movie. I like this. <laughs> I like that. I would have done this. And she just said she was already on Fandango buying a ticket for the next day. She's Nigerian. Yes. And I was like, what? I was like, babe, you fall asleep in every movie. Like, she fell asleep in Infinity War. Yeah. Like, I had to wake her up and be like, hey, you want to know what happened to Black Panther? Like, <laughs> she was out. But she went, Adam, I've never seen myself on camera like that. I've yeah. never seen an action star that looks like me. Yes. And for me, I was like, so, like, we went out and got food and we just talked about it. Because I never, because I had never realized that when about you, representation. When y'all have kids together, you and your fiance I'm going to learn kids, a lot. You're going you to see the world differently. 100%. Right? Because you, right, right now, as a kid, as your parents, as a, when you were a kid, your parents never had to worry about taking you to a movie and making sure that you could see yourself in that movie. Like, I go to watch movies with my daughter. I just be like, I hope there's, I hope there's someone in this movie that looks like her. Right. I always laugh because, like, Arendelle, there's not one black person in Arendelle and Frozen. Everybody was like, well, you know, it's Norway. I was like, but it's not a real place. They created it's it. They could have put black fiction. people there if they wanted to. It's a complete, it's fictitious. Yeah, like, yeah. they could put tons of black people. The closest thing we got to being a black person in that movie was Olaf. Yeah. Damn. But that's what's and exciting he was made about. made of snow. Well, I don't want <laughs> Damn. I was going to give away Endgame, but I can't do that. But I feel like there are some characters that are about to start switching. I do. I, I mean, I think I haven't seen Endgame yet, but I think some right, of my so theories are going to come true. Yeah. But representation, I mean, so who did you actually have to look up to when you were a kid? As far as what? Anything. Like, who were the ones that stuck out to you, like, as you look back now? We always had to be the black version of something. Like, I wanted to be the black Bruce Wayne, the black, black Steve Walt Jobs, Disney. black Walt Disney, black whatever. Had, I want to be the white Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding. I said that. Like, we had a, I, like, I would like to be the black Ellen. You know, I think she crushes it on TV. But, um, but at the same time, we always had to put the prefix of black in front of things to see ourselves in it. Like, mm. if a kid doesn't have a great imagination, which I was lucky to be equipped with, I could see myself in those roles and not really see 
that I could be there. But most kids would be like, oh, we we can't really we don't belong there. That's not for us. Mm. That's for them. So I mean, we had Static Shock, you know, and then right. we had. I mean, I love Blade, Skeeter. Yeah, yes, Mike. But they weren't. I always main, thought Skeeter was black. They wasn't main characters though. He no, was, he was a he sidekick. Was blue though, right? Wasn't he blue? They never made him black. Yeah, they just yeah. made him green. Even was Piccolo green. was green. Damn. And we all know Piccolo is black just from yeah. his attitude. <laughs> um, Kakarot. One thing that I, 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 this happens to me all the time. This could happen to me with a waiter. This could happen to me with a flight attendant. I see what the conflict they're facing is, and I want to help them. And it's like a dichotomy in their life. And I'm fascinated with this dichotomy in your life. You win the Super Bowl, and you have this quote where, I was extremely happy. Then I felt, what is this? And I felt like I got bamboozled. I wasn't, it wasn't until recently I became a full person. What was it like to sit around or stand around and you see all these other people with all this joy and you're realizing, realizing something that I fear, which is reached potential that's unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. What was it like to see everyone going, ah, and in your head, you're going, damn, this ain't it. Yeah, I see. When we when we won, I was excited because we won a game. Like I like to win, and the way we won, I was tired in a motherfucker. Like I cried because it was like, damn, we really won this shit. And we came back. It was just like a, uh, oh. just an awesome moment. But like when I started like really think about it, like more guys were like, I was trying to make myself be as joyous as they were. You know what I'm saying? And reflecting, looking at it, it was just kind of like, well. How am I supposed to feel? Like, my brother told me it felt like having another child and everyone else yeah. is like the greatest thing ever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, not for me, but when you talk about fulfilled potential, there's two different... I think that you fulfilling the potential that someone else placed on you, not the potential of you in your life. No doubt. So, like, for me, like, if I score... Like, I look back now, I connect with kids through my books and the things that I make. When a kid screams, like, about a chapter, they laugh out loud. To me, that's way more empowering than when mm. someone screams when I caught a pass in the end zone like I've never really felt that like I just like to compete and play yeah but everything else around it didn't really matter like if I was you know saying I just want to be the best of what I was doing but all this other shit that came along with it, I never I never really cared for it wow um, and did you realize that early on you just you were just like so good yeah. at it well I mean I was number one football number one basketball player yeah. in Texas but no I mean early on like you play football, your homies play, my brother's my roommate in college. It's like, fun to kick it with him. It's fun to kick yes. it with him, but once it became a job, I, I, like, I have really no friends from the NFL. I played in the NFL mm. for a decade. And I yeah, maybe, who are your best friends in the NFL still? Uh, probably Ryan Mundy and Brandon Marshall. And your brother. And I don't count him, though, because yeah. he's been my best friend my whole life. But Brandon's <laughs> a lot like you, too. Brandon's someone I think when his career's over, when he ex when it's fully accepted, yeah. he could do amazing things. I think he would do amazing things. We talk about it all the time. Um but like I just like I felt like the, on the field I connected with everybody, but once the game was over, I didn't connect with anyone. Mm -hmm. Like the locker room was one of the loneliest places for me. Did you ever do art in the locker room? Yeah, I did. I, I draw all the time. I used to draw. I just wasn't sure if you were doing the locker room. Yeah, I do every. I, I do draw all the time. I've never been afraid to be myself out loud. I was gonna say like if I went to like the tight end room, would we have like pictures oh, on the walls? Yeah, stuff? when you come to the tight end room, like I would meet with Coach Dayball, like say on the Patriots, and yeah. on Saturday mornings when we go through wherever, I'll just have watercolors and I'll be painting in my notebook, man, while he'll be going over the plays. And, and I bet it helped you retain it more. Yes, and that's why he didn't really bother me. Dude, that's, I do that too, where I'll yeah. like color and I'll like listen to podcasts and I'll get done and be like, I remember everything. Yeah, I think it's something about doodling and making things. He would never like he asked me a question at first. He was kind of like. 
he was kind of like a little iffy about it. But then right. when he threw me a question, I'd be like, boom, 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 this, this, and that. And then I'm an avid note taker, and I don't make mistakes on the field. So right. they're kind of like, whatever the hell he's doing is working. So they just didn't bother me. But you have other coaches who I remember. In, yeah, was um, ever at odds with each other? Yeah, creativity I had, yeah so I was playing for the Dallas Cowboys, and they was installing plays. And they do, so they say, like, they'll say dagger. Right, and the signal for dagger be a dagger through a heart. So I wouldn't draw plays. I'll just remember like that's a ninety four combination. Like you run a nine, and then there's a D four, yes. right? And what I would do is I would just draw a knife through a heart on my paper. So every single play they would call, I would just draw a symbol, and it would remind me of what the play sure. was. So one of the coaches got my notebook, and he was just kind of like, "What is this? You're not paying attention." It was like my second year or my rookie year. He's like, "You're not paying attention. You can't get anything right." Blah 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 blah. Wow. And then I was like. No, nah, that's dagger. That's a ninety-four combination. This is such a set. This is seven. You know what I'm saying? So then he was and like, "Did he react well to that?" Well, he was still like, "Oh, he was. He was still want to be a dick, but didn't know how much dick to be." Yeah. <laughs> Do you realize that your memorization technique is how the best memory people in the world remember things? I was just listening to this Adam Grant podcast where if you really want to remember people's names, like if you really want to remember my name was Adam, you would find one aspect of my face. And you would dramatically like use your creativity. Like if my eyes like started crying mm -hmm. and like it was just like a waterfall and you were like Adam. Yeah. So that the next time you saw me, you would see that in your head and you'd be like, oh, that's Adam. Like yeah. it, ha it has to be that. And that's what you were doing. I always think about your left eye. Why? I got to wear left eye? Just no, blank just, sometimes? Well, no, I just because left go. Damn. It just reminds me See of your how self-conscious I got there for like eight <laughs> seconds? I was like, why? Is it smaller than my right eye? What the fuck? Nobody, no two human. If we cut any human in half, they appear as two different people. There's not too Except many. Except for Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, some people say we look alike, too. Really? I like Samuel L. Jackson. He's known He's as being favorite. the most symmetrical face. Is he? In Hollywood. He's my favorite um, actor. I got to kick it with him. How was it? Incredible. I, w I did the match, the Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson thing. Yeah. And it was me, Samuel L. Jackson, and Charles Barkley, and this golfer, Pat Perez. And he gets to, he was drinking tequila at nine in the morning. It was amazing. Yeah. And we're just hanging out the whole time. And there's that part where, like, you want to be like, so Sam. Yeah. And right when I was going to do that, Tiger took a shot and he goes, God damn it. And he, like, looked at me, he goes, Adam. And I was like, holy shit, he knows my name. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me, he goes, they motherfucking suck. And I was like, they yeah. do suck, Samuel. Like, he's I'm, just, he's so cool, I man. feel like Samuel L. Jackson is our, Bill, like, how Bill Murray is to the community, the white community, how I they have all that. these mythological, these myths about him and people he's met. I feel like that's how Sam is. The difference is, is that Bill is, Sam ain't doing nothing for, like, Sam's like, I want to be by myself, I don't want to play golf four <laughs> times a week, and I don't do anything. Bill Murray's like, no, I want to steal french fries. At a, like, yeah. Samuel Jackson doesn't want to mess with any motherfuckers Nah, like yeah, Bill Murray does. He's Bill Murray with sense. Yeah. Like, Bill Murray's out there doing crazy shit. I know. So but Sam's your number if, one. If if Bill was black, he'd probably been arrested already. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the difference between me and Gronk. <laughs> Hell, unbelievable. Gronk dents the Lombardi trophy. And, and we celebrate it. I know. Oh, he put his mark on it. <laughs> what? That's crazy. That's just funny. It is funny. That's Grok for you. Oh, classic Grok. <laughs> Man. Grok's uh, hilarious. You know what? I do want to say, uh, I want to say one thing about your brother. Okay. Because in case you guys didn't know, the charges against your brother were dropped. 
Yes. Boy, a sure lot of people like to talk about all the charges when they came about elderly uh, injury, injuries to the elderly. Heck, the Houston police chief came out and said that your brother was morally bankrupt in March of 2018. But guess what? The chief of staff of the Harris County District Attorney's Office recently said we dismissed this case in the interest of justice. After looking at the evidence, it was the right thing to do. We're probably not going to get an apology from this Houston police chief. No. Nope. We're probably not going to get any media people retracting all of their statements. No. Nope. And then talking about connecting this to other things on the field and really running with that morally bankrupt clip. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted everyone to know that uh, he's good and that Michael Bennett didn't do anything and that this was all a ruse. And if you had any issue with him, then that's an issue that you have with yourself. Yeah, I think the idea of like black players protesting and a lot of people want them to be bad people. Like they want them to do wrong. They want to be able to say bad things about them. So like anything come up, I told you they stand. They should stand up for the See? flag. Yeah. yeah. So everyone wants yeah, to jump to with devalue that. Devalue everything else. They're doing. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Which is uh, while you know what I'm saying the whole situation is, you know, being attacked, attacking these players for different things. These are players who are who are built into the communities. They're doing more than half the people who even yeah, said Yeah, what does something. your brother do that people don't even realize? Whew. I mean, I don't want to make myself sound like a bad person, but do shit, it. like, um, from, if we're just talking about, uh, he fights inequality, women's rights, uh, he does a lot of stuff at Indian reservations, he does things with food deserts where they don't have food, where they don't have food, he helps them build community gardens and teach them how to do, um, um, their own um, food, food market, um, yeah. the farmer's market, but he also does that at detention centers. So he goes to detention centers and he talks to the kids and he helps them plant and grow things. Fuck. Uh, he also fights obesity. So he, and all his camps are based around obesity. So he teaches people how to shop for groceries and how to eat and how to cook. Um, he does also does, uh, he built home, he's working on building a school in Africa right now. Wow. Um, he's also, um, I mean, the list goes on. Like he just does so many different things. And yet, they could call him morally bankrupt. Oh, yeah, he bails people out of jail, too, from time to time. Wow. Yeah. Just... Yeah, you're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but he's just a really good human. He fights for rights of everybody. And uh, he does women's marches. He donates bikes. He does. He's Black Santa. He donates like Christmas gifts. Like he does stuff still in Seattle, still everywhere he goes. So... um, he, I mean, I think he's a phenomenal human being. I just wanted to give him a, a shout out and let you kind of talk about it, just because I saw you, you post it on IG and and kind of like give a message, being like, no one's going to say this and talk about it. It's going to get swept under the rug. And I think that's bad because no one, as soon as information comes out, everyone jumps on it. But then when the information is taken away and it's proven to be wrong, no one goes like, hey, we issued a, a article on March 17th that said this about Michael Bennett. Those those have been uh, retracted. No one talk about this as the yeah. case has been dropped. They don't go there. That's not all over the news. No. They might put a little thing right there, but they don't jump on TV and be like, he's morally bankrupt. I have always been someone that thinks if players can be suspended, so can media members. They should be. Motherfuckers be lying all the time. All the time. And the worst thing is, though, too, as a black player, who they say, oh, he pushed over an elderly woman, they'll get on TV, or a black person get on TV, they'll be like, oh, yeah, he's morally bankrupt. Then a white kid blows some shit up, and they'd be like, oh, you know, he's a he loves his family. He's a good kid. He yes. just got a little lost. He's a little stressed out right Yeah, now. he's stressed out. Yeah, come on. Yeah, it's fucked up. No, I, I I think like when reporters are like, this team is definitely doing this, and they don't, 
you got us in a week out, bro. Yeah. Sorry, man. You took a shot. <laughs> they don't. You took a shot. Yeah. But because they, there needs to be some form of ground. Now, this is like, you guys set the year out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to come at somebody and be like, this happened, I know who, the, like, get. Yes. Bro, you're out. Oh, I come back and be honest. Like, look, I was wrong. Which is more powerful. Yes, I was wrong. The fact said this, but I didn't have all the facts. But what do we start talking about in the beginning? Ego. Yeah, ego won't let you do that. No, because no. the nasty shit feeds the ego. Yes. Because the nasty shit gets you clicks. Yeah, it gets and it you gets you that dopamine. Yes. And ego loves that dopamine, bro. Yeah, ego loves dope. For real. A lot of people get high. Yeah, on that They retweets. get high on themselves. And the favorites. Yeah. Uh, the only other Seattle thing that I had, speaking of former Seattle, is do you like Russell Wilson right now? Do I like him? That's his new name. Russell Wilson. That was his wife calls him or something? Well, he's gone through a transformation, man. Comes out there, he gets the contract. Hey, Seattle, we got ourselves a deal. You've seen all this, right? I don't really pay attention to Russell Wilson. Wow. Because what's happening right now, he's getting his hair braided on IG. Oh, I saw that. I popped up on the shade room. He came out. Yeah, it popped up on the shade room. But no, <laughs> Russell has been popping up a lot on the shade room. Lately. I know. They're probably paying him, though. Then he posts yesterday or the uh, a few days ago in front of a, a new G wagon. He goes, "It's a G thing with a big ass down jacket." Well, I think he's probably well. He's trying to do is rediscover his blackness. That's what it. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, that happens often. I mean, he is the first black quarterback to ever leave a white woman to marry a black woman. <laughs> He's a pioneer. He's a pioneer. That doesn't happen very often. He's a pioneer. You know what I'm saying? But like, they look happy together. Like, if they're happy, dude. Um... I went back into Getty and I looked up Russell Wilson from five years ago, right after he won the Super Bowl with his ex-wife in New York, looking crusty as fuck. Like he looked, he looked like he was having a miserable time. Like, there's literally pictures of him <laughs> in the rain, like walking in the rain, being like, ugh. And then I look at him now. And he is glowing. That's good. That means he found the right he woman for him. He found it. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's how important a woman is. I think it's a, he found a the woman. The right that, one. I think he found a woman that allowed. I think what's happening is he found someone that that's empowered him to be himself. Yes. So right now what you're seeing is him coming out of this cocoon, this shell that he put around himself because he had felt like he had to be a certain way. But the yes. way that she's loving him, she loves him for who he is. Because it was a shell. Yeah, so it was a shell. But now he gets to reveal himself to the world, and I think that's why he's a bit happier. And I think she empowered that for him. And anytime you have a relationship with someone who empowers you to be yourself, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful so thing. I think Russell... It seems like Russell. it's changing. It seems like it's changing, but he's really becoming himself. Yes, I was just comparing it to Steve Urkel or Stefan. That's why I was calling oh, yeah, him Russell yeah, Wilson because yeah. he like went in the time machine and came out, and now he's like, "This is who I really do am." Do he still say "Go Hawks" at the end of his all his thingy? Yeah, but you? now he goes "Go Hawks." <laughs> Wait, so you haven't seen? No, you. Right. I'm just gonna play this one thing for you because. It, it it was incredible. And as someone that's so unabashedly themselves, that's why I'm fascinated by it. Because yeah. I could never imagine being somebody else. I, here, this is what he did. We got a deal. <laughs> Go Hawks. Go Hawks. I'm going to see y'all in the morning. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, he's y'all in the morning. He's here. Hey, yeah, he trying to be sexy right there. I don't know what that Yo. shit is. That Yo. shit's crazy. I didn't see that. Russell Wilson. Yeah, I've never seen that before. Hey, man. Yo, Seattle. But remember, as an athlete, there's an identity crisis, right? All these athletes have identity 
they have, there's a form of PTSD that happens after they play, mm. but it's also a form of identity crisis because you sign your identity over once you start playing at a young age. So mm. now, once you get to older, you start to rediscover yourself and you want your identity back. So now, you know, he feel like he's in a position where he could probably become who he always thought he was supposed to be in the first right. place instead of who he thought he was groomed to be. How hard is it to maintain your identity? In well, the NFL? Yeah. This is extremely hard. I mean, you have to work at it. Really? Yeah, it's easy to try to become because it's easy to try to become what they want you to be because they pay you. Right? So and most guys want to get paid. I was I was empowered because in my third year I was going to retire and I realized that I didn't need the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Because so you were able to say no. You were said, oh, that I don't need. Yeah, I was about to retire. I was just like, man, fuck this shit. I'm gone. You know what I'm saying? And that moment from then, I realized that, hey, I, whenever I'm out, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? And from then on, I was just like, I'm going to be who I am. They have to set me for who I am. And I'm going to do it. Like, I've always been a good teammate as far as playing, coming to practice and performing. Yeah. Like, but I'm going to be Martellus, right? I'm not going to be who they want me to be. I ain't going to be... You know, I don't have a Russell, but, you know what I'm saying, whatever that may be, I, don't, I was going to be that. I was just going to be myself. And, Martell. And it proved because beginning of my career, everybody's like, oh, this guy's distracted. He has too many interests, blah, 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 blah. Then at the end of my career, it's like, oh, this guy's so well-rounded. He's a genius. He's really smart. And it's like I really didn't really change up. I was still diving into all the things that I loved. It was frowned upon when I was rapping and I was yeah. doing songs and art shows and stuff when I played as a rookie. And then as I got older, it was what was celebrated most about me as a player. And I will, I'll, I'll be remembered for the person I was yes, more so be. than the player I was on the field. And to me, that's more empowering than someone to be like, more people have stories about me um, as a person than they do with me as a player. That don't mean I didn't make a lot of big plays. I caught game winners. I made big clutch catches. Sure. But people remember the person I am. That's got to feel good. Yeah, because I'm going to be the same person forever, but I'm not going to be the same player forever. Do you think uh, you would ever speak to other NFL players? Yeah, if they pay me. Yeah. They got money. They do have money. <laughs> but do do players reach out to you, though? Yeah, I'm the guy that calls when you get ready to go in retirement now because every guy's like, you're doing it right. So I get phone Damn. calls of all guys trying to transition and how to transition. But my whole thing— Is there with, fear in their voice? There's always fear because, one, they haven't built the bridge that they have to cross. So now you they, were doing that early on. I built the bridge when yeah. everybody else was like, "Oh, he why is he going to Nickelodeon or why is he meeting with people at Disney or why he's doing this?" Everyone, why is he doing an internship right yeah, now? Yeah, why are you yeah. interning when you make millions you of could dollars? You're working out right now. I, yeah, I, I, and that's the whole thing. I told guys like I work out and then I go to my internships and I learn and I learn. Yeah, but you guys work out, you go party, mess with women, and and play video games, right? Yeah. Like I'm with the people who built the video games you play. Mm. So that's a whole different philosophy. A lot of times what guys fuck up with, too, is that they don't put themselves in positions to succeed. Like, if guys are interested in politics, they don't go to the inaugural, um, uh, the presidential ball or yeah. any of that stuff, anything like that. They'll be at the BET Awards. But being at the BET Awards, you're not going to meet anyone else that you need to meet to, facilitate, mm. uh, to succeed in life. It's about being in the right domain. So if I have a domain I want to introduce myself to, and this is the practice I want to dive into, I need to surround myself with being in a room with those people who are in those domains. Sure. Otherwise, I could never make that introduction into that space. So most guys, they just do what's cool and not what they want, what's cool to them. Yeah. Right? They'd rather be seen and then instead of being behind scenes. You know what I'm saying? So Who was your mentor? I didn't have a mentor. You just kind of figure this all out yourself? Just not mean all the books I read. I've, I look for mentors several different times. I asked Ed Catmill to be my mentor from uh, Pixar. I've talked to people from Nickelodeon. I've, I've talked to several different people to mentor me, but no one really... I'm going to be honest. It's probably good that you don't have a mentor. 
Yeah. Then you're just going to adapt some of their style, and you're too individual for that. And that's the whole thing. Like, I'm, I fuck up all the time. Like, I mess up all the time, but I'm figuring it Dude, out myself. The mistakes are the best. I know. That's lessons, what I'm saying. Bro. Like, I have so many lessons. No L's, just lessons. Yeah. And the way that I've been working and the way that I've been learning is all about self-discovery. It's like only discovering myself, but also discovering the way things work. Like, I may make a book or I may do a practice, and the book's not bad, but the way I rolled it out, man, and not being the right strategic plan or mm. the way I printed it, where I printed it, how many copies I printed. So it's like constantly growing my company yeah. and growing myself as a business leader and as a writer and a creator. So it's like... I'm learning, like, I read scripts, I research, I mean, there's movies I like, I'll dive into the scripts of all these movies, reading them, learning how they did things, how they structured sure. things, and I'll break that apart, things I don't like, things I do like, I'll take, like, I'll go watch, like, all Tim Burton's interviews and see what he's talking about, uh, my favorite movies that he made, and what made him do certain things, so yeah. it's just about just... Well, a mentor is you have to find the information for yourself. Having a mentor is pretty much being lazy, for the most part, and... I mean, it's cool to, I guess it's cool to have a mentor, but I think it's- It's a, cool to say at a dinner party. Yes, I have, he's my mentor, but yeah. I have thousands of mentors in all the books that I have and all the books I read. I will say, I have a lot of people that, that go into my DMs and they say, I, I would love to work under you. I'd love to learn from you. And I, I really want to just say to all of them, all you have to do is watch my shit. Yeah. Like everything that people do, they put out there and you can get free mentorship all the time, especially with social media. Now, if they're tweeting or they're Facebooking or they're Instagramming or you see their work or it's explained that like there's free lessons yeah. all over the place. Yeah, but we live in a, a display culture now. Everybody want to be everybody wants to be seen, but they don't want to be seen doing the work. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like being seen next to you makes them as value to them. Right, just researching oh. you from a distance, it doesn't. They don't feel like they had that value. Like they can't go be like, oh yeah, I've been re researching Leftco for the last four months or whatever, and this is why. Yeah, someone be like, well, you're kind of crazy for doing that. But yeah. you shouldn't say they're kind of crazy. People. Yeah, you should yeah. be like, there's something about this guy that I like that he yes. does. First, that's the hardest thing for me. I studied men. Charlemagne for like three months one time. Did you? Because I was fascinated at how. He reached a point where people would sit down in the chair and they were willing to be attacked. They were willing to not know what the fuck was going to come and yeah. they got excited by it. Yes. And so I read all his books and I watched all of his stuff. And then I was like, oh, you know who else I like? Andy Cohen. Yes. I'll watch what happens live because he has this air of like no one knows. So I watched him and I studied him and I realized... Oh, he would say, you know, Martellus Twitter is saying that you actually uh, used to date Madonna. Yeah. And I'd be like, Twitter didn't say shit. The show just started. Yeah. And how do you have a card with a tweet on it? Yeah. So, like, no, that's what you want. So I do is just, you know, Ellen, how does she? Dancing. Yes. She, would, she uses Fun. that to disarm people. And so I would study all these people. And I, I'm not where I want to be yeah. in the finished product. That's great, though. But you have to kind of pick apart from everybody. But that's great that you know that you're not where yeah. you want to be because you know where you want to go. 100%. Most people don't know where they want to go. They just don't want to be where they're at. But the, what's my retort to that would go, I don't know where I want to go because I don't think I've seen it yet because it's in here. To yeah. what you were saying about like you're just kind of unraveling yourself. Mm -hmm. We all we all like have goals that we want to achieve, but I think we can all achieve bigger than what we even think. I don't think that we dream big enough because no. I think that I think a lot of people are afraid of being successful. Like, they say they want to be successful, but what comes with success, I mean, is accountability, responsibility, and you have to be consistent. How many dumb motherfuckers go, 
I don't even know if I want to win the, win the lottery, man. Like the taxes and shit. What the <laughs> fuck? One, stop thinking about the lot. Like I have a friend. My brother Barani. still plays the lotto. My, my friend, we're walking the other day. He goes, he goes, honestly, I talk about the lottery so much that I got to win the lottery. I yeah. go, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, put it into the universe. Not, no. That, <laughs> that's not how it works. But but that people, yeah, you're right. They're afraid of success. But the lottery itself. Uh, to be Jay-Z, all those cameramen. But, but the lottery the itself. The lottery itself is a big sign of how the community is, right? People would really risk or pay, play, like they know the possibility of winning is very slim, but they'd rather use their money over and over and over again in hopes of winning that. But that same kind of dedication to driving themselves to become a winner, mm. they wouldn't do the same. But if it could be given to me for a small, uh, just a small amount of anything yes. where I don't have to be that invested in what I'm trying to do, but I could win big, I think that's how the majority of the world works. Yeah. How do you battle that? Battle what? Like how do you? I think that I'm not. I'm not a money driven person. I'm a goal. I'm a purpose driven purpose. A person. So, so are like, you like a one week planner, one month, year? How how much? How organized are you? I'm about I'm about ten years ahead of myself at most times. That's but my I, biggest issue. Is but I operate. I operate day to day. Although my thoughts, my thoughts that I project are more so what's going to happen way ahead of time. Right. Right. So the way that I operate, sometimes I can't keep up with myself because I have my day to day stuff that I'm doing. But also I have these forecasts of what it needs to be and where it needs to go. Just so you have that lighthouse pointing you in the right direction. Yeah. I constantly see what I can, what I can be and what I could become. But I don't really like long term goals too much because I realize that I'm evolving and I'm changing, too. And there's so much I don't know that when I learn it, it changes everything. Right, it's like, damn! If that one piece of information, be like, scrap all this shit. I'm stupid. Yeah, <laughs> Here but being go. able to do that. Yeah, so that's kind of how I am. Like, I kind of constantly, like, I'm never not trying to learn. Like, I'm always trying to study and always trying to be better because there's a lot of people depending on me, not just in the company, not just my family, but the community. Like, I can't really fail at what I'm trying to do because then I fail the community because mm-hmm. there's so many black kids that come up that I'm telling they don't have to be athletes. They have to show them what success look out, looks like outside of the field, mm-hmm. right? For me, it was Shaq, right? Shaq was my favorite athlete. Like, he did movies. He did music. He yeah. did. He had 24-hour fitness gyms. He was on Nickelodeon. He was on Nickelodeon. Yeah. He did everything. So, like, I, when I saw Shaq, I thought that's what I thought the athlete was. Right, I didn't think an athlete was Kobe Bryant, right? Because Kobe was just really good at what he did in the, right. on the court or whatever. I always put Shaq as the best athlete of all time because no one did it like Shaq. Even Man. to this day, Shaq is still the most dominant personality in basketball. Have you ever met him? I met him. I when I was in high school, uh, I went out with him one night when I was in the NBA draft. I went out yeah. with him one night. Wow! He had his big ass bracelet on. I just I'm gonna I be sh- I'm gonna be hanging with him tomorrow. Are you? Once a week for like the last few months. Bleach Report's owned by Turner. I go down to Turner. I do this NBA Twitter show, and it's right there in the ins- inside the NBA. And, like, last week I was there, and Shaq's, like, DJing. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> like, he has, he's got some guy there with, like, a ponytail. And he was like, he's like, man, you can work for me. He's like, all I get is nerdy white guys to make music. And he, <laughs> he's like, play that beat. And the guy, like, hit a beat, and he was like, and he's just dancing. Like, every time he walks in, he's... He's very interesting. I feel like he's an introvert that is such a personality, but he uses that, I think, sometimes to deflect people I'm the sometimes. Same way. Where I feel like he walks in and he'll just kind of go and stand there, and everybody will just go, Hey, Shaq. And he'll go, mm. and then walk in, but then he'll come out with a completely different energy. Yeah, that's how I am, too. Yeah. I'm an I'm a, uh, introverted extrovert. But he can read people so well, too, I think. I can, too. 
Yeah. I think uh, I could vibe. It's a vibration. The thing about well, you have to come down. Tell come him, I want to make Kazam too. Starring your boy. <laughs> I want to come back as his son. You know can I be can I be the creepy guy in the limo that eats like goat eyes? Yeah, wasn't that a scene? Would <laughs> you like goat eyes? Yeah. That's the only scene I remember with that fucking movie. Yeah, that just makes me think of my mom's joke. My mom has a joke all the time where she's just like, "Oh, you don't eat meat? I cook lamb from um, the Greek, my big fat Greek wedding or something." Uh, that's awesome. Every time I was like, "Mom, what the hell are you talking about, Mom?" She's just quoting this one. She, they, I was like, "Ma." Quote Friday, next Friday, Harlem Nights coming to America. <laughs> like, stick to our classic. Michael, you get one house, y'all move out the neighborhood, and now you quoting the, uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Like, who are you now? Did you guys get her a house and all that? Yeah, this shit got a house. Does that feel good? I mean, I guess so. Because I've actually heard, <laughs> I heard Chris Carter on his show today go, oh, no, my mom's doing fine. Um, and then yeah. I heard LeBron in the shop being like, oh, my mom's got a house and she's asking for more. And this is a dynamic that I've never even thought of. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't feel like it's not, not about my parents, just about anybody around me that ever asks for anything. I feel like I, like just because I'm driving the Benz don't mean you should be driving the Benz. Like sticking your tax bracket. I'm in this tax bracket for a reason. Do you say that? Yeah, I say that. That's my biggest issue in life, bro, that I wish I could steal from you. If I could, like, like uh, space jam your fucking power, he's <laughs> just fucking telling people right to their face. Oh, yeah, I tell them straight up. Like, I tell them, like, and then at first I used to be kind of coy about it. But like, well, if I give you this money, then you're taking food out of my daughter's mouth, and that's a college fund that you're taking out of. But then I was then like, they'll I'm... still be like, yeah, but it's a C class. <laughs> it's not an E class. Yeah, so, but for me, I just feel like, like a lot of kids in our community, when they make it, they feel like they owe the community something. I don't feel like we owe anybody anything. Like mm. my daughter, if my daughter grows up to be the number one film director in the world, and she's she's the next Bob Iger, you know, what I'm saying running the Imagination Agency, though she's my Bob Iger. Yeah, she doesn't like I, she don't owe me. Like she go start her own company. I don't. None of that belongs to me. That's hers. That's mm. that's all hers. Now if she want to do something for the family because it's all the kindness of her heart. Then yeah, but you don't have ownership of my of my uh, success. I feel like that's an issue that you with like Dear Black Boy is projecting that, and part of the reason I think we project professional athlete athletics on kids is when they, when they hit it big they're going to take care of us yeah that, and it seems like the easiest route because we see it it seems attainable like to tell your kid you could be a doctor doesn't really seem attainable to right. some people in the community but there's so many people who share, have shared stories with us that's on television playing sports we see guys getting drafted their family just like ours they come from the same neighborhood we come from they had the same circumstances we had yep. now they're millionaires like that's the way out like and we have access to that now like yes. no one thinks about the access to we'll have access to two to, to other things. So it's like, how do we have give kids access or opportunities to go down these different fields and these different crafts? As you've gone around on this book tour with Dear Black Boy and you've met a lot of kids and you've talked to a lot of parents, have you learned anything just from those interactions? Yeah, I've learned that a lot of parents, there's a lot, there's a lot of thirst in our community from a black male. I think a lot, I felt like what I learned is about black men. Most black men put down their passions and their dreams to find something to provide. Right, so a lot of black men don't follow their dreams. The ones that did follow their dreams are usually the athletes, right? There's not tons of them that follow their dreams. They sure. try to find a job too that doesn't it's not have, doesn't have to be fulfilling. Just get the job it's, done. It has to get the job done to make yeah. money to provide. But I think there's this shift, uh, this paradigm shift that's happening that where 
black men want their kids to have a different journey. They want them to know about everything out there. I think we're on the verge of a black renaissance at this so. moment I where we're in the midst of it. Yeah, like it's really happening. So there's going to be a lot of young black creators that are changing the way, that paving the way, but also going to have ownership in the things that they make. Because ownership is the most important thing. We have been creating for so long, but we can't really build because we don't have ownership of it. Someone else is making the majority of the money. We're right. just getting a piece of it. There was one point where in time where um, in St. Louis, there was like, 90 black businesses and they used to be at a uh, a bank a Freedman bank and all of them used to put their money over there but then the guy that was running the bank this is back in the day when the guy that was running the bank he decided to start moving their money and then he lost all the black people's Shit. money so they crumbled the the thing the and then white people were upset because these black businesses had grocery stores and they felt like they were competing with the other grocery stores so they came and burnt down the whole town so you think about those like a couple million dollars in that bank of black ownership yeah. so trying to rebuild from that they didn't really have the infrastructure to do that so like there's been moments where it sets this, off decades it's been but it's the same thing still going on like we've been fighting for ownership for since yeah. the beginning of time which is ridiculous so now I think guys are starting to, they, there's so much more information out there because the biggest thing is that we were deprived the information, right? We didn't have access to as much information. Now all the information all change there. comes from information. Yes, I just think of like the King James Bible. You know, what I mean, the printing press, like yeah. the ability for like people to actually know what they were learning about and not just trusting somebody. Once you get the information in your hands, that's when change can happen. Yes. Yeah, so now it's about providing information to these kids that they don't have to be athletes, right? They don't have to do this. They don't have to go by this route. You can play sports, but if you decide to play sports, don't you don't have to think about it, using it to get to the league. Right. You can think about using it to get to anywhere else you want to get yes. in life as well so that's the information i'm delivering like you know when you think about you um the information is the source and there's a lot of information that we just did not have and and there's without information you can't see possibilities because you don't know it imagine agent imagination agency the black dear black boy um what i know you're probably working on like a million other things too yeah i do i got a couple of things i'm working on Anything that you can share uh, that you're excited about? Yeah, or any I mean, I trips got, coming up that you're I just, excited about? I'm going to go to New Mexico soon, um, which I'm excited about that. But you then got, uh, You got the right shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think my next... I got... I have several books I've already finished. Um, I got a new graphic novel I'm working on. I'm starting to do more stuff for adults. What's your writing setup? Where do you write? Everywhere. I have, I have no books on me. I write The World is My... And so you do it... Buy a pen, paper, like I a do notebook? everything, notebook, paper. And what's your favorite kind of pen? Because um, everybody's RSVP, got one. RSVP, fine point. Ooh. That's my favorite pen. Doesn't keep... smudge too much? No, nah, no. Nah. I like them a little juicy. I like them a little, little thin, super thin line. I don't yeah. like it when they make noise either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I like the, I like those, but I usually collect places, collect people, collect names everywhere I go when I travel or doing things or conversations. Like, you may say something, I'll be like, oh, they'll be tight if my character said this in this moment. Gotcha. So I correct, collect things all over, and so I have a notebook that I carry with me all the time. But then when I write, I'm usually in my studio and writing a lot of stuff. But I write at home, too. Like, I like to write in my theater in my house. Mm. Like I like I'm this. Sure it's so quiet. It's quiet, and I get yes. to watch movies while I'm yeah. writing yeah. and things like that. So I, that's like one of my favorite places to write is in a theater. And um, other than that, like I, I don't really like writing in hotels or things like that. Usually, when I travel, is usually it's usually making notes and collecting yeah. things, like collecting information. I like to go see things. What time you wake things. up? Uh, I mean, 
Usually about six thirty, six forty-five most days. And do you get right out of bed? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a bad person. Dude, I'm the worst. I know. My wife likes to snuggle, and sometimes I'm like, "But we could snuggle on the couch." Like, I don't care if we snuggle on the couch, but I just don't want to be in the bed. Like, dude, I should have been here three hours ago, but she, we got it. Got to cuddle. Yeah, yeah. what's this cuddling, man? It's over. <laughs> I'm trying to fight back, but I'm not leaving, trying to lose that. Leaving shit. the cuddles hard, like the dude, cuddles comfortable. I, I like think, to be. I like to be both parts. I like to be the the spooner and the one that's getting spooned. Like sometimes, sometimes just hold me, baby. Now I will say more of the percentage <laughs> is the spooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. But, but I think we both acknowledge when we both roll over, we go, okay, we gonna do it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got like that minute or two and you go, okay, enough, I'm back. Nah, I don't, yeah, cuddle me, baby. Girl. Make me, I've had my moments where I just want to be held and hugged, you know, like, that's amazing. It was yeah. pretty good. You think Belichick's a big spoon? Uh, Do you think he cuddles? I think he does cuddle. He needs somebody to cuddle with. He's got, he's got somebody. I know, I love her too. She's the best. Is she? Yeah, she's so awesome. She's so nice to me. We follow each other on Instagram. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so check out the Ima- Imagination Agency. Uh, if you have a young kid, if you have no kids, check out Dear Black Boy. Is this your first, like, where are you in terms of books that you've put out? That's my third one. What were the one and two? Uh, hey AJ's Saturday. Hey, hey AJ. AJ. I just know that from yeah. online. Yeah. Hey AJ's bedtime. And then I did a comic book called Towboy mm. about this little kid who tried to make the football team, but he's not good enough. And, um, but, but this time you said, "I'm not. I'm not pulling any punches. I'm going right to the heart of the matter." Yes. This was a diff- This was the build a bridge because what I really want to master is my non- my normal writing style is literary nonsense, which would be like Lewis Carroll is the most famous person mm. for it. So this for me is about building a bridge to teach kids that they can, they do deserve to experience escapism. And I I write escapism like mm. normally. Like this was very hard for me to write because it's just because of messaging. I like to build wacky worlds. Where'd you write this one? In my garage, watching the Alton Sterling uh, thing on my on wow. my phone. I wrote that when I was, like, that day that that happened. And you wrote all this in one day? Yeah. So you saw that, it impacted you to the point, and you said, fuck this, I'm I'm letting it pour out. Yeah. And that's why I can't create that moment to write those the type of literature often, you know what I'm saying? So, no, it's... I mean, there's a bunch of inspiration out there, actually, because the world's fucked up. But, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's that weird split where you're like, it can create beautiful art, but do I want to... I don't want to keep experiencing that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did it feel cathartic afterwards? Like, I don't know what that f- means. Like, was I it like a relief? I, <laughs> I said it mad stiff. Did it feel cathartic? Uh, but did you feel better afterwards? No. 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 I Is didn't. it weird to talk about it then? No. I mean, at first, when I first started going on tour, it was weird. I was like, even with the book, I didn't really like the book at first because of where it came from. Right. Right, and I just—it was kind of dark for me. Like even uh, it was like the—I was my least favorite thing that I had made. Sure. And the more I started sharing it with the world, and the more I started connecting with kids, I realized that it was a beautiful thing that came out of the darkness. Embrace so, the pain. Yeah. Only good shit comes from that shit. Like in terms of growth. Yes, growth change happens at well. I believe that change happens at one single moment of time. I don't believe that people change over extended period of times. It's just like no, they get it and There's they change an at the moment. To change. Yes. So and uh, yeah, the want to change too. But like with this with this book, I think that the most beautiful thing about it is that a lot of other people were, were wanted this message as well, right? Which I was writing for myself and a young the young Martellus, right? When I thought of, when I saw Arthur Sterling, I saw myself. Mm. I also saw my brother. I also saw my cousins and my friends, and and that that I saw. But what I saw is not what the police saw. 
right? I saw, you know what I'm saying? So then that's when I started thinking about how do we see ourselves mm. and how does the world see us as two different things, right? They see the black boy, they see the black boy as a danger, but the black boy's in danger. It's two different things. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, like, you took that about being in danger and saying, like, fighting for your identity, but this also feels like a goodbye letter to, like, football Martellus. It was. If you see this guy in the front, on the first page, he's got this little kid reaching for his shoes. That's me. Um, the idea is, like, when you retire, you see Marshawn throw his shoes on the telephone wire. Yes. Like that, I retired from the game of sports, but I had, the game I had to get in was a totally different game. So I had to go back and get my my shoes down so that I could run in this new race. And this marathon, the game of life, is the one I really need to win at. Hmm. So, yeah. You're in a good spot. Yeah, I am. I'm happy feel as good. hell. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. It's and I'm sure that there's a part as athletes reach out to you and they want advice on the journey that you're like, I remember. Actually, I don't know if you've ever been in that spot. Well, I mean, I think when guys reach out to me, the biggest thing is they when they see me, they know that they can. Like the fact that like I smoke weed, the fact that I work with kids, the yeah. fact that I'm doing something that I love. I get to go on margarita dates with my wife on a regular day during the week. Most of the guys can't get to do that because they got to be. They, they don't Regiment. get to pick their kids up from school. You know what I'm no. saying? Like, I love the days I go get pick my daughter up from school, and I just take her to the studio, get ice cream and things like that. Because usually Damn. we're at work still. Like, so, like, those are the best parts of life where I get the experience. Well, I just tell my wife, like, baby, let's go have lunch real quick. You never could leave for 10 years. Right. When I'm playing football, we could never leave to go have yeah. lunch. Most people, regular jobs, you could go have lunch with your wife. A lot of people, though— Want, don't maybe not want to go and get lunch with their wife. Yeah, that's why. They, that's but, the other underlying shit that people don't want to say. A lot of people don't retire because they don't like their wife or their no, they, family. They like their work. They like their work family. <laughs> yeah, they like to get away. And yeah, they have the phone. In a, they have the phone in the locker. That's not for their family. That has shares the address with them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get anybody else in trouble. That's all right. You're Thanks, the man. Dog. I appreciate you. Uh, again, checking stuff out, and then Twitter. You're what at Marty Soros Rex. I like dinosaurs. Just a little bit. Yeah. We'll groove out to the nice sound of Rod Simba. Martellus Bennett, always the man. Check his shit out. Talk to you later, homie. Marty left co. Hey. But Marty just left ho. No elbow, jump shot. Say I'm too hot. I'm on the block. I'm rapping like I'm D block. Word of Jada Kiss, don't miss. Take no shit. Diamond so yellow, look like my ears just pissed. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>